All right, we're live, guys. How's everything going? Today, I want to introduce you to Caliber Home Loans team. If you haven't heard from them, they are uh, the, our team here is based in San Francisco. And today, we're going to talk about the truth about real estate and talk about mortgage lending, uh, COVID-19, and everything going on. Uh, so let's start off by welcoming Kenny Stevens and your team to the show. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Happy, what's today, Tuesday? Today's Wednesday. Wednesday, July 15th. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, it's a good problem to have when you forget the calendar dates. Um, like to introduce myself. I'm Kenny Steven, branch manager of the San Francisco Caliber office here in downtown San Francisco. Um, what you see here is my team, fabulous A-star team here. Um, and we're going to discuss a little bit about what the state of the market is today for lending, maybe a little bit about real estate and how we're able to help navigate all of your current buyers, or if you are a buyer, um, into getting the property of their dreams without having to deal with all the uh the covid um overlays and um conditions that are coming upon us um just to kind of introduce myself i've been in the business 20 years been through this is probably now my third economic downturn um poised and positioned us to be uh able to pivot into any market whether it's an upper market or a down market and we're in a situation right now where um, the rules of the game have changed and the lenders that you may have once known will probably be rebranding or redefining themselves moving forward. And lenders you may have never heard of are probably going to be the leaders and partly has to do with the fact that um, when you're in a crisis like this and liquidity becomes an issue and to dumb it down, liquidity is just free money that the banks can start lending. And when their money gets tight, then it gets hard to lend it. And when they lend it, they increase the requirements and the guidelines. You'll see down payments increase during these times, FICO scores increase. You'll see um, all kinds of niches go away. Um, exceptions are gone. It's gone back to a more conservative front because the market is uncertain. Investors, basically Wall Street and the secondary market, they're not gonna buy loans and lend money when there's uncertainty in the place. So they, they go back to more of a, a retrograde. Um, what we do here at Caliber is we find ways to help people get those properties or pre-approved without having to go through those conventional archaic methods. Um, our turn times are 30 days or less. We're closing most loans in three weeks. Um, purchases, 1031 exchanges, non-owner occupieds. We'll use RSU income, departing property. If you're moving up from one property to another, we're still doing that. We can still use um, non-occupying co-borrowers, which are co-signers. And we still have low down payment options. We're still doing 20% down up to two and a half million. And we're still doing uh, less than 20% down on certain loan amounts that are lower. I'll have Lillian talk about that. Um, but we're still in business. We're still doing loans. And our rates are actually starting to supersede the bank rates. And that is as simple as liquidity. And the banks have to lend based on what they have in reserves, which means if they have this much in the bank or in the vault, they can lend this much. Well, during an economic downturn, most people took their money out or maybe they're not bringing as much money in. Either way, that's less deposits for the banks and less deposits means less lending. And if you kind of look at it this way, we have lower rates, not just low rates, lowest they've ever been in the history of America. I've never been able to give anybody a 15 year fix at 2.375. Um, and I've never been able to do 30 year fixes and even non-owner occupied loans and keep all those in you know the twos and the threes. But it's really 
uh, a sign of the times. Um, now, lenders like Caliber, we're not banks. We're actually mortgage bankers. We have the ability to lend on bank lines and non-bank account lines, warehouse and non-warehouse lines. But the gist of that is we don't have capital requirements. Because we don't have capital requirements, we, we don't need to have X amount in reserves to lend. Um, our CEO is Sanjeev Das. He came from City Mortgage. One of the greatest things that he enjoyed when he was hired here at CEO's Caliber was he didn't have to worry about the capital reserve requirements that the federal regulators require every bank in this country to lend on. Small banks, big banks, you have these limitations. So what happens is the banks will increase their interest rates to stop the flow of applications coming in, which is what they've been doing. If you want to read the news, look up the banks. One by one, they'll tell you what their new requirements are. And the requirements look like nobody's getting a loan from them. And that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to just give the minimum because by law, they have to lend. They can't stop lending. They're a federally chartered bank. They have rules. They can't say I'm a federally chartered bank, but I'm not going to give you my money. They'll lose their federal charter. So they're just going to lend it in the most ultra conservative fashion possible. And what we're finding is more people coming in with more down payment just so they can get a low rate, which is fine. But then they end up losing all that money just to get that low rate where we're going in and saying, you don't have to put that much down and we can still give you a low rate. And that way they can keep that money and save it for reserves, maybe a home improvement project, or maybe they want to buy an investment property, but we're not going to make them liquidate themselves just to give a rate that's probably higher than what we're going to be doing now. So in a nutshell, the, the in a nutshell, the tables have turned. And um, in these markets, um, this is when the banks get most conservative, and we can expect this for the next year or so. I'm going to segue into Lillian. Um, she's one of my top fellows, been with me the longest. Um, she's going to give you a, a brief um, summary of some of the things that she's been doing lately and how we're differentiating ourselves from the banks. Hi, everyone. So my name is Lillian. been with um, Caliber for a few years. Um, I've been in the industry for 10 years now. Uh, so during COVID, I did close some purchase loan with, like, so VA, you can close it in 0% down payments and for um, lower interest rate on conventional loan, we can still close in 3% down. Um, and during this time, uh, I know self-employer is, is really difficult at this time, but I was able to help um, self-employer borrowers to do a cash out refinance on the primary home and also refinance his investment properties. Um, so those, like I know, now I also start getting costs from other lenders where they cannot do a cash out anymore. Um, and also getting call from lenders that they say they are not able to do any investment refinance. Um, so they send it to my way right now. Um, so those are the, the part that um, um, other lenders are getting tight on the guidelines, but we are still doing it. Um, purchase, like Kenny said, we can still close in three weeks. Uh, refinance, we are still closing a lot faster than other banks. I'd like to segue on that real quickly. So she mentioned BA loans. Um, I actually will give you an example of a BA loan. Um, in San Francisco and in most of the Bay Area, um, BA loans starting to come back. We have a lot of vets. We're actually one of the number of B top VA lenders in the country, and we do a really good job at it. We had a condo complex here on 10th Street that was not VA approved. And most people don't go to the trouble to get a VA approval because you're not doing it just for that unit. You're doing it for the entire building. Traditionally, VA is difficult to work with, and they'll take several weeks, months. 
Um, we actually took this whole package, sent it into our condo department, who I think are probably uh, as good as the VA department themselves. We packaged it up in a perfect format. We sent it off to VA and we got the whole building approved in two weeks with no conditions. And they alert that onto the veterans website, this building approved without conditions. It's kind of unheard of. Uh, normally that's a two to three month process. There's tons of conditions involved. And then sometimes it doesn't ever cross the finish line. Um, and we're closing three weeks early. Um, but the benefit to working with our VA buyers is if they find a condo complex that's not VA approved, which is very probable, especially here in the peninsula in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, we have the, uh, the ability and the facility to get that through the VA approved. And that's for the life of the building. It will help all the other condo units in that building and new buyers come into that building. And in my opinion, if you can do that, you can actually get in in the Bay Area on a lot of these jumbo loans because VA doesn't have a jumbo limit. You know, I've done VA loans over a million. Um, they also have higher debt ratio limits, which will allow more than 50% debt ratio up to 60. Uh, the one I have now is a 64% debt ratio. That's unheard of on a one point. $3 million loan with 10% down. Um, there's no other loan that could do that other than a VA loan. So, um, and because of that, that building now proved word got around. I have another agent who called me today to ask about another building. And this is something that I'm getting excited about considering the fact that I think San Francisco only has maybe two or three buildings in the whole city that are VA approved. So a lot of work to do. I'm going to segue into Sharon. morning i'm sharon nguyen um been with caliber the same time as lillian and been in the business for over 15 years um with caliber the reason i like working for caliber and under kenny is due to the fact that our technology is just amazing you know we're we're constantly working on our technology side of things therefore with covid happening um it hasn't really put any limitations on our funding as well as our application process and speaking to clients, you know, we have so much technology available that, you know, the client can basically submit an application on our website and we're able to view it live, um, work on it right away. So our turn time for pre-approval usually is 24 to 48 hours, depending on how quick the client gets us the paperwork. Um, but the part of the technology-based application that is great is that we use the work uh, number. Therefore, sometimes the client doesn't even have to submit uh, pay stubs because if their company is, is signed up with a work number, then we pull the, the income directly um, on the application. So sometimes an application only requires a driver's license and we commit it, we can submit it to underwriting. So it just streamlined the process and make it so easy for the client. Um, so in speaking to a lot of uh, my clients that I work with, they really, really appreciate the system. Um, and a lot of clients nowadays, you know, they don't want to meet in person anymore due to COVID and we can't really truly meet in person. So with, you know, with uh, Zoom and our technology, it just makes it so, so easy for, for um, our clients to submit an application and work through the pre-approval process as well as the approval process. For example, I had a, a client recently that um, a lot of banks didn't accept his offer or his, his loan because he had about 30, um, you know, 30 deposits from Korea. And most of the larger banks, they will not allow that because they will not allow bank statements from a foreign country. However, with Caliber, you know, the, the process was so streamlined and so easy. 
I was able to collect, you know, information from him and work directly with our underwriter to get it closed within 18 days. And he was extremely happy uh, with our rate as well as our service and just how quickly we can close and um, and just the guidance because, you know, most of us, all of us are actually very knowledgeable with the different guidelines that we have available here at Caliber. And due to the fact that we are so knowledgeable with the guidelines, we're able to guide our clients and make it very streamlined and easy for them. Um, the other thing too is that, you know, I am approved with the mayor's office and so I do a lot of DELP loans as well as BMRs. Um, do I like doing it? Perhaps not, but I, I love the fact that at the end of the day, I am able to help a lot of the clients that are not um, not able to purchase, you know, the million dollar homes or afford the million dollar million dollar homes. So there, these programs are available for these clients. Um, it's longer to close, a lot of headache. However, at the end of the day, I just enjoy the fact that I'm able to contribute, you know, some of my time uh, for these for these uh, for these clients with the mayor working with the mayor's office and. Um, Similar to Lillian, you know, I work with a lot of uh, first-time home buyers, and um, I think like with first-time home buyers, there's a lot of misconception of you know they have to have at least twenty percent down or ten percent down at least. Um, I know in the Bay Area, you know, the the value of the home is a little bit more expensive. However, I always tell my first-time home buyer, your first home doesn't necessarily have to be your dream home. Um, so we do have available, you know, three percent down as well as three and a half. 5%. Um, so those programs are out there and available. And also going back to the FHAs that, as well as VAs, our credit score requirement is lower than most of the larger banks. So, you know, if you, if you, if you feel that your credit score is, is not at the point of qualifying, definitely work with us because again, going back to technology, we have programs that can look at your credit score and see how we can attain, you know, that credit score to qualify um, in the near future. Hey Susie, so uh, you know definitely some great questions from Kenny, from Lillian, from Sharon so far. Let's jump in and dive into uh, more about these questions that they just information they just provided and ask some great questions to them. Yeah, so you know Kenny, I guess you know stepping back into what you were talking about, how um, Caliber Loans is a mortgage maker, and also you know you don't need any capital reserve requirements, and thus it can provide low down payments and or the buyer doesn't need a higher down payment, you can provide, you know, really good interest rates. Um, what are the current interest rates right now? And also, um, can you also explain about the VA loan and how, you know, the different amenities and resources that you have that make you different that, you know, you're able to provide these great loans versus other banks? Absolutely, um, great questions. So just with the interest rate, Question first, um, if you have a conforming loan limit and conforming loan limits in this area are either 510 or 765, there's some change with that, but 510 or 765, you're within the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines. If you qualify, you're going to get the best rate in the country. These are the loans that are getting the benefit of the low rates. These are government sponsored entities that have been um, fueled by our stimulus system to keep these rates low. In 2008, we had the exact opposite. When we had a liquidity crisis, because it was housing related, everything went into the opposite direction. Rates shot up to 6% overnight. Nobody could get a loan, nobody would want a loan, and nobody qualified for one. This is the exact opposite. So imagine this, imagine now the rates are lowest than they've ever been, like I said before, and every single homeowner in this country can benefit from that. And every single homeowner applied for a loan. We probably don't have enough money 
to supply that. And that's why the banks are going to take several months if they even do the loan, if you're trying to refinance them. They're saving their money for purchases. When you look for a purchase interest rate, it's lower than the refi rate because they have to help those people that don't have homes. Home ownership is a big part of what we do. It's not there to help somebody save an extra $200 on their mortgage. That's not going to bring back the economy. You know, when you employ a purchase transaction, you're employing 12 different people in that transaction. That's 12 different families that are going to get paid and they're going to stimulate the economy that way. When you do refinance, you're employing like half that amount and you're recycling money. Um, so the banks don't want refinances, just simply put. I mean, they don't have enough money to refinance every single homeowner in this country. And the rates are so low that every single person can benefit from a re refinance. So they're going to stagger this out. They're going to spread this out over months. They're going to reduce the guidelines to the point where most of them won't qualify. And then in hopes that they won't run out of money for the people that are trying to purchase. So purchase rates are about two and a half percent for a 15 year with a 510 or lower. This is a range. It goes up or down an eighth depending on the day. The market really drives these rates. Our rates are determined by 10 year treasury bonds. And that's, you know, something you'll find changes every day. Uh, the 30-year fix on a 510 loan amount or lower is about 2.75. And in some cases, I've been able to get 2.6. And some cases on the 15, I've been able to get 2.3. I mean, if your FICO is good and your credit and value of the property is good, you can get an extra eighth lower here and there. When you get to the high balance, anything over 510 and between 765, it goes up about a quarter percent. Now you're around 3%. Could be in the high twos if you catch it on the right day. And it could be even a little higher up in three and an eighth or so. Once you go past 765, you're not going to find a lot of 30-year fixed programs out there. Not even the banks want to give you a 30-year fixed refi with a low rate. Um, they have a spread of almost 1% from a purchase rate to a refi rate. So if you're talking refi rate versus purchase rate, it's almost a whole different um, you know, animal there. We have our jumbo rates. Um, we do have 30-year fixed. We have 5-1 arm, 7-1 arm, 10-1 arms. You can go down as low as... 20% down, even on the high jumbo loan amounts. And those rates are all in the threes. And I would tell somebody the house is more important than the loan. Loan is not forever. House is. If you take a loan today to get the house of your dreams and the liquidity markets get restored after COVID and the jumbo programs start coming back, you can go ahead and redo that loan and refinance it, usually for no cost to $3,000 or four. And that's really what most people do in this country. Even if you took a 30-year fix five to six years ago, you didn't think you were refinancing again today, and you are. And that's just the way things work around here is up and down, up and down. Your refinance should come at the right time for you. So good question. Um, I'll tell you something about the VA. Um, that loan was originally a Wells Fargo pre-approval. Wells Fargo issued a pre-approval letter for this borrower. And unfortunately, just as many pre-approval letters that are issued across all the bank lines, it doesn't mean you're really pre-approved. When he got into contract, they turned him down in the third day. And they go, we don't even have the ability to send an appraiser in the house due to COVID. We don't even have the ability to even send this off to VA for whatever reason. And it's not something that Wells Fargo is commonly going to do anyways. Running a VA package to the HOA and the VA process, it's a couple thousand dollars. And that's the money that we put up front. We spent $800 on the HOA package, we spent another $800 to send it to the VA and pay their fees. Not too many companies or loan officers are willing to go and put $1,600 to $2,000 of their own money for an unguaranteed loan at this point. And you're doing it for the whole building. 
So it's not even like just this client, you're doing it for every client in that building. So the ability for us to do that and use our corporate caliber funds and our resources and team to go send that to the VA is something I've never seen in my 20 years of doing this that easily and swift. So um, the VA um, function is definitely complicated, but we are experts at that. Our interest rates are now lower than the banks. We're tracking about a half percent lower than most of the banks out there on our conforming loan products. Um, and even on the jumbo stuff, we may be at a lower, we may be at a higher rate on jumbo, but we're at a lower down payment. Um, most banks are requiring 30% down on jumbo. We're still at 20. And those things matter. You know, 10% extra down would go some a long way for a home improvement project or just keeping it in the market. Um, some people don't want to dump all their money into a house because it's harder to get it back out once you put it in. Perfect. That's actually some really great information to see. And then the fact that you're kind of debunking these myths out there, because I hear uh, in the you know outside that a lot of people are talking about how banks, especially banks, are are not able to give jumbo rates, investment rates, um, do jumbo loans. They're keeping their funds inside, mostly for purchases, not as much for refinancing. And you just spoke about those some of those items where actually Caliber can do that. And there's so many different product lines and you know of course understanding the client what their needs are and the products that fit them and you guys having the opportunity to service it whether it's through a va loan fha loan uh, lower down payments you know and different rates for the right properties then that makes total sense whereas you know when you go out in the world you see people just speaking hey yeah th there's no loans possible agents might say I'm, I'm not sure i don't see a loan possible but knowing the fact that we can actually reach out to you guys and talk to you and ask you questions about can your you guys and your bank do this and hearing good news that you guys can do a lot of loans that others aren't doing or don't want to do uh, definitely helps agents and helps clients out there to want to you know look further into it and learn more from you guys about doing those uh, loans i appreciate that absolutely i actually would like carlo to maybe say a few things too um carlo's been in the business prior to um caliber as a broker so he's seen the broker side now we're the mortgage banking side and you know he's got some good insight too if you you got a minute carlo yeah i've got i've got about an hour for you okay <laughs> so uh i i can just start talking and probably yeah. know. don't worry we've got a mute button here we can mute you anytime. <laughs> um well i mean like kenny said i'm carlo augustin been in the business for 10 years uh been with caliber for about two now so so far, so good. There's a ton that I can talk about, but Matt, um, Susie, is there anything that you guys want me to kind of convey at this point? Yeah, yeah. if you can uh, tell us about the current trends and what you're seeing right now. And, you know, I think Kenny kind of touched upon, you know, uh, now versus 08 and how during the 08, um, you know, recession, we had an increase in rates, but now we have a decrease in rates. So can you explain yeah. Well, and I think it's because, you know, well, back then we also didn't have liquidity, but right now, you know, we don't have liquidity as well. But can you explain the difference in trends and, um, you know, why that is and also what you're seeing in the market right now? Um, okay. So just to clarify, trends between 08 and kind of what we're seeing today is, is kind of what you're asking yeah. me to differentiate? I guess so, because um, uh, back then, uh, when we had the recession, like how is the recession back then different from the recession that we're facing right now? And why ah. are rates 
uh, you know, at the, at the all-time low right now versus back then when the rates actually shot up. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I think I can address that a little bit. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah. So 2000, 2008 was, you know, uh, it was it was a recession primarily driven by our industry. The lending industry was the actual problem back then. There were a lot of guidelines that are currently in place that didn't exist at that point in time, um, and it led to, you know, just a ton of predatory lending, a ton of bad loans being issued. Um, today, uh, you know, the lending industry is completely revamped. There's 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 a lot of uh, vetting and a lot of uh, underwriting processes that actually make all these loans um, a lot more solid and and borrowers are able to qualify and actually um, able to afford their, uh, their loans even throughout you know, this current health crisis. And I think that's what the main difference is. 2008 was, like I said, a, a, real, a real estate and financial crisis. This is actually a health crisis primarily driven by you know, the virus. So it's, it's completely night and day. Um, what we're going to see, actually, what I what I think Ken, Kenny is alluding to is, you know, the uh, the real estate market is is very strong, in particular here in the Bay Area. Um, lending has tightened up a little bit, but it's mainly to protect our ability to continue to lend and continue to fuel that real estate market here in the Bay Area. So, um, like you said, rates are really really low. They're the best that I've seen since I've been in the business about ten or eleven years now, um, and I think. That's what's going to allow the uh, the uh, the economy to actually recover a lot sooner than later. At least that's what we're hoping, right? Um, you know, lending. Uh, so long as the spigots are open and banks can continue to lend, uh, Caliber is doing more than our part to be able to provide that liquidity in, into the marketplace. We're we're a great solution for a lot of home buyers out there, um, and on a number of different avenues. So. Yeah, I mean, um, if if that answers your question, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track here a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's the main difference. You know, we were we were the problem before. Now I think we're actually going to be part of the solution. So um, fingers crossed, and that actually happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carla, a great answer. Um, actually, to follow up on that. Um, so especially during the, you know, coronavirus, you know, like the midst of it, like March, April, May, right now, I think we're getting a little bit used to um, the situation. Um, but how are you able to um, help clients overcome situations where their loans might, you know, fall through? Maybe, you know, for some reason, something happens to them and they're not able to get approved for the loan or something happens, right? Like, what are some of the situations that you've seen and how are you able to help those clients? Um, okay, well, so I, I think to answer that question, I, I think what we do is, is pretty much everything um, to kind of mitigate that situation before we actually get there. Um, our pre-approval pre process is pretty robust. And, um, you know, I can honestly say that, you know, with my team here at Caliber, everyone is a loan expert. We, we, we have a a library of knowledge in, in, in our own experiences that allows us to kind of service our clients, you know, very well. And what we're doing for them really is, you know, on the front end, making sure that they can get this financing. We're, ask, we're asking all the right questions. 
making sure that their pre-approval is bulletproof. And then we can partner with our underwriting department, which again, in my experience, is probably the best in the business as far as communication, as far as uh, speed of execution and, and reliability. It's, it's like a great partnership that uh, underwriting and us on the origination side really have. So, I mean, th it's just that team effort that on the front end makes our pre-approvals that much stronger um, because, you know, we know how important these transactions are. I mean, in, in the Bay Area, a million dollar loan is not uncommon and it's, it's no, no small amount of money. So uh, there's a lot of nerves involved. You know, we will, you know, take the time to explain the process to you and make sure you understand every, every step of the way, what it looks like and what it's going to be, what's expected of not just us, but of you. And um, yeah, we just hope to make the process, you know, that much uh, more, uh, I don't know, I guess easy. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm going to jump mean, in on a minute on that. So um, underwriting, underwriting is my like, my favorite thing, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll tell you why. And that's like a big scary word for a lot of people. But back in 01, we used to have to underwrite our own deals and then send it to the bank. And then we got graded. And that's kind of how it used to be. And things have changed over that time. Um, but overall, I could tell you that our relationship with underwriting and caliber is a partnership. And it's something that most companies don't have. And being in my world, after 20 years in the business and working for companies that no longer exist today and got bought out or imploded, um, I've never had a relationship with underwriting where it was sales oriented, meaning our underwriters are not trying to kill the deal. If something's not going to work, they're going to put it off to the side and allow us to rework it and restructure it. And at that point, um, try to fix the deal. Um, they want to close the loan. Um, they'll even help us. We even had underwriters help us restructure the deal. That's rare. You know, that's the most rarest thing you ever hear in this business, an underwriter helping you, which they shouldn't have to because that means that the loan wasn't done perfectly. But we do a good job structuring and packaging things up real well here. But we have a direct link to our underwriters. We can call any single one of them up. I called one today at seven in the morning before she was getting her daughter dressed and ready and, and, and it's on her cell phone. And, you know, I had a question about guidelines. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and save three weeks, um, you know, of like pain and just get my answer now and tell the borrower what they need to know so they can do this now and not later. Um, for the most part, our underwriters, are not only quick, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, they'll call us on the file and talk us through the file while they're working it to ask any questions or clarity so they don't just shove the file off to the side and then it doesn't go through this whole chain. So, you know, for the most part, um, I can't say that we would be where we are today without our underwriting. This is our nuts and bolts of this company. I mean, the technology aside, great, it gives us what we need. The team I have here, you know, they've been with me since my prior company. But if we're fighting underwriting or guidelines or conditions and we can't get loans approved, we can't do our job. And therefore, we're out there fixing things instead of helping people. So to your example, if somebody came today and said, hey, my other lender is just failing. You know, we have the ability to take that loan that day, send the disclosures out, send the appraiser out and send the documents out and send it to underwriting all on the same day. That's about a seven to 10 day process for most lenders. That's backed by the technology. So we are high tech, high touch. We'll talk to the client, we'll engage with them. Then our technology piece will get that file into underwriting 
and you know, in three days we'll have a loan approval. And if those conditions are clean, we'll close the week later. That's where we're known for our two week closes. So even if we have to come halfway into a transaction and save the deal and still meet the closing date, we can do that. But that's Actually, as that's good as our technology and our people. That's a great example because like for us in as real estate agents, uh, you know, the main thing we should be concerned about is making sure that loan goes through. And for me, what I do with my clients is always making sure we work with a trusted uh, lender loan officers who understand the deals, who understands the underwriting, the process, and having a strong background in understanding that. And I actually came as a lender too, before I was a lender. I know the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines are definitely tough because they're always changing every day right now, especially during the 08 recession, during COVID, that you want a strong team of loan officers and a company who is you know backed by their underwriters. Because when we deal with underwriters who Honestly, at a bank, some banks, they don't care. They have uh, thousands of loans to go through and process that you're not priority. But when you work with specialized lenders and underwriters who know that these deals are meant to be uh, helping people get into homes that, you know, when you guys are working together, it makes it so much easier because like you just said, the fact that you guys can do appraisal disclosures, underwriting all on the same day, help a client who lost a deal loan uh, at another bank take over the loan and still close it within the timeline makes it really great to have, have more confidence. And normally what you want to do, of course, is just get the loan from the start so you can help those clients. But I've seen a lot of underwriters and people I talk to where they're not processing it fast. They're not, the some loan officers, newer ones especially, might just pass it to the underwriter, let them deal with all of it and go back and forth. But when you guys as you know senior loan officers understand it, it can process the file and actually give all the attributes of what they need to get done to make sure their loan is successfully passed to the underwriter makes it so much smoother because when I used to do loans, I used to process everything myself first and make sure that it was really smooth and clean. Gave it to the underwriter, just passed through right away. Might be like one thing, but that they look at and find, but for the most part, by you guys doing that, it makes it so much easier to feel more confident about the loan actually closing. Cause that's the scary thing right now. Will the loan close? Can you close it fast enough before anything happens? Let's say for example, they if they lose a job right after, at least they got the house, hopefully, right? And if they lose it during, then that's not great. If you have a 30 day close, 45 day close. Are you guys actually doing um, underwritten approvals right now? Because some banks are not doing that anymore. You know, it's a really good question, Matt. So um, under normal environment, when things are good and we don't have the whole world coming, um, to get loans all at the same time, we underwrite every file up front. Today, um, most of the jumbo programs are gone. Those are the ones that need it the most underwriting up front anyways. Um, so we are pre-underwriting. And if I need to um, if I need to send a file to an underwriter, I don't need to send the whole file. I can send the piece of the file that has the problem and say, review this. I'm not going to make them go underwrite five hours worth of the file when I know there's just one problem and that problem can be resolved with a quick look from an underwriter, underwriting manager. Um, for the most part, um, if let's say, you know, an underwriter said, I can't do this deal, or I think you're going to have a hard time, we'll go back and advise the client, look, we have other programs and we have other lenders. Would you like to look at the other options that we have? We don't just stick with one underwriter because we're a mortgage banker we have different warehouse lines and different programs. So we'll switch lenders all the time. And that doesn't mean the borrower feels it or sees it. We're still closing on time, but we can pivot. You can take the same appraisal and switch it to a different program. It's the same processor on the file. It's the same loan officer. So even though you're getting a different loan, 
it's the same people involved, which doesn't all really lose any time. So um, we don't really need to pre-underwrite the whole file. It's kind of like a waste of time, if you think about it. Um, yeah. We have the technology that allows us as loan officers, if your loan officer is not able to underwrite or calculate simple income and assets and reserves and all that stuff, um, yeah, maybe they should not be a loan officer. But the reality is you can do the basic calculations. If there's a problem, go to your underwriting manager or me, we'll resolve it. But we are a sales partnership. So the underwriter is not going to say, I don't see the file in the system, so I'm not going to help you. No, no, it's a partnership. If we need help prior to that file getting into the system, we'll get it. And we'll get the attention of an underwriting manager, which by the time a normal file gets to an underwriting manager in the bank's hands, you're in the third week, maybe second week. Our underwriting manager will see that even before it goes into day one. So we have been able to go in non-contingent on offers. It's like my bread and butter. I mean, I'm a non-contingent lender. If I don't like the file and I don't like the feedback I'm getting, I won't write non-contingent. Um, but we are able to do that without having to send the whole file into underwriting. Uh Thank you for that, Kenny. Um, definitely having that under. I didn't mean to drop the mic on that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> definitely having the underwriter relationship and being able to fit in. That, that one just shocked everybody. I, I have no more questions. I, I, it looks like I finished twenty minutes early. That was a that was a mic drop there, huh? <laughs> uh, so, kind of to play off on that, um, what kind of trends do you see in the future, um, especially with now um, the politics and the elections coming soon um, in the fall? Um, what you know? How do you think that'll affect the rates? This is like an open, open. Really good question, actually. Um, yeah, really good question. So we are in an election year. Um, it's historically known that rates don't go up in an election year. They actually don't really go down in an election year, and that trend is largely due to COVID. Um, and reality sets in after the election. Um, I'll give you a little bit of insight. If you remember four years ago when the election took place in the first 48 hours after the election results we had wild swings in the market the stock market and the rate market and the bond market and after hours was like crazy at first the market took a huge drop like negative 500 or a thousand points i don't even remember by the morning it was up almost like 2,000 points in 48 hours or something like that that sent interest rates skyrocketing okay so when the market performs really well and everything around it's performing well, the people that lead this country don't feel that rates should be low. And somehow the rules start to change about why rates should be low. They shouldn't be low. You know, um, actually, they're not supposed to be low this year. No bank planned for this. No one planned for this. We weren't supposed to have a refi boom. Actually, most companies laid off in January and December. Um, we're going into a year where rates don't go up. They weren't supposed to come down 1% either. So I feel that after the election, if things continue the way they did four years ago, and as much as people want to believe rates are going to stay low to 2021, which is true, and I'll explain what that means, it doesn't mean the rates might not go up after the election. That also doesn't mean that rates are not going to be low. I mean, if you start at two and a half and it goes to three and a half and somebody says that's high, um, I don't know if they know their rate history. That's not high, that's low. Um, I can give somebody a four and a quarter today and that's considered low. And if they wanna call it high, they're going off their short-term memory. 
um, because if you look at where rates are at historically, threes and fours have always been the lowest. Historically, they're six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Um, but I have this whole algorithm in my head here that as prices continue to rise, rates will have to stay low. And in the days where people said, well, I got 18% when I first bought my home, well, your home was 80 grand. You know, now if you want to go put 18% on a $1 million loan, I don't think anyone's going to qualify for that loan. So they have to drop, right? There's a balance between loan price, I mean, I'm sorry, purchase price and interest rates. That's why the realtors really get excited when rates go up or down because that know it's going to go into that home buying thing. So right now, if you're a home buyer, you should definitely be jumping on the bandwagon because even though rates are going to stay low, they may be a little higher after the election, depending on who wins. Um, they can actually drop, but I just don't see them dropping any lower. I mean, if they dropped a little lower, maybe, but if they went to the point of really like lower, the system that you see right now that's trying to hold on by its threads will burst at the seams. We will have major liquidity issues. Rates will go up overnight to stop all the applications from coming in, which is what happened about three months ago. So no, I don't think rates are going to stay this low after the election. That's just an opinion. I could be completely wrong and nobody can really predict this future. I'm just going off trends and projections and kind of where I see the economy going. And if this coronavirus vaccine is going to be introduced sooner than later and everybody starts going back to normal, we could resume where we left off, which was a robust economy and a rising interest rate. Yeah, I think those are really good points. Um, especially, you know, being a realtor, I do see a lot of home buyers trying to find the perfect timing for the best uh, rate that they can get. Um, but to speak to your point, based on the trends, um, I think you're right. Um, you know, after an election, you do see an erratic change in the markets. And also before then, because, you know, leading up to the election, there's some sort of optimism, I guess. So, um, you know, I guess we try to keep the rates low. So thank you for sharing that. Um, well, Matt, was there anything that you wanted to um, speak upon based on what Kenny said and what um, other people said? I think Kenny's provided a lot of great information, especially these are things people need to hear out there and that how lenders work, how they think, how they're looking at the trends. And you want to have great lenders who understand the economic economics and what's going on with politics and understand the current markets, the previous historic markets. That makes a lot of sense because for me, I use lenders just like Kenny and uh, the team because they understand what I'm looking at as a real estate agent investor. I'm always looking at numbers. I'm always looking at the rates. I'm looking at trends to forecast what we think is going to happen and try to educate our clients not knowing 100% but at least we can provide some good historic data and some forecasts to make sure that we're on the right track as investors to get into the housing and to make sure that we're trying to make it as solid as possible so I, I do highly appreciate this because when you speak to a lender you want to understand that they are trying to do their best interest and be highly educated to help you make good decisions with your agent and your team and the, what they're providing today is a lot of value that I hope everyone goes back and re-listen to this over and over again. Um, some questions I do have that you guys mentioned earlier were, you know, one thing you guys do differently than some lenders is that when you talked about jumbo loans versus a conforming loan, and what that means is a high balance loan over 725, right? Uh, you guys offer Seven, the option. 765. 765. So after 765, especially in the Bay Area, some things that you guys uh, previously mentioned is that you're able to do a first and second loan together. And that blended rate 
having a first and second might be actually cheaper than a jumbo loan, uh, than a normal jumbo loan. And one thing too, if let's say for example you're at 770, you would tell them, hey, go down to 765 and some some change, so that way you can be a conforming loan and get a way better rate, right? So why is that? You guys can offer uh, a first and second. Absolutely, uh, Lillian. Have you done any of those lately? Yes, yes. So I actually just have a client that got in contract that they are purchasing a 1.1 million house. They wanted to put, well, originally they wanted to put more down payments, so down the loan about to 765000 but they wanted to do some renovation in the property. So they wanted to put less down, so they have money to do the renovations. But they also wanted to have the low rate for the conventional loan, right? And they don't want it to you know, also tie into it not that great jumbo loan. So my solution to them is that I can do a first and second loan. So the difference, I can do a second loan for them, which is like a heck of a line of credit where they can um, have a draw in the 10 years. So that's not their problem, right? That they get extra money for the renovations. Um, so that, because clients love, love it. Like they don't have to put all the money into down payment or they don't have to like keep the money, but pay a high interest. In that case, they only pay interest. I told them after they get the HELOC, they haven't done the renovations yet. They can pay back the HELOC. When they start doing you know, the construction, they can take the money out as they need the money. And we only charge interest when they use it. Right. So that's a very good program for clients to use that. Um, I wanted to veer what uh, Lillian is saying because I do a lot of those. Um, last month, I closed probably like four purchases that were split uh, as a first and a second. The thing, too, that I wanted to mention is that, you know, if you split the loan as a 765 first and whatever, you know, the rest uh, goes on to the second, the guidelines still mirrors the Freddie and Fannie Mae guidelines. Therefore, you know, assets are required. Um, credit score uh, may be lower uh, than you versus going on a jumbo uh, loan, as well as trade lines, you know, what you have on credit. So if for a newly established person that's looking into buying, they might not have enough trade lines to go on the ch jumbo conduit side. And therefore, a lot of my clients like that because, you know, the underwriting process is so streamlined. It's easy. And, you know, you you can close within two to two and a half weeks um, versus, you know, having to kind of like be stranded with assets, you know, qualifying assets, credit score, as well as other, other element that the jumbo conduit might be might be stricter. Yeah, Sharon's right. Yeah, my client was having issue with the reserve because for jumbo, you need 18 or 12 month reserve. Uh, but for when we break it down to two long, we only need three month, three month of reserve on that. So then client can qualify. And also for um, conventional loan, we can also, conventional and jumbo, we can actually do um, work visa clients. There is a lot of uh, working visa, right? Non-permanent resident aliens in, in the Bay Area. Uh, we can do loans for them as well. That's actually a great topic. We actually want to segue into that. And uh, one of my next questions was talking about overseas borrowers, EB-5, uh, foreign investments, and you know, talk about visas and how that currently is, ha uh, what's currently going on with that situation. Another part of it too is like not all lenders actually mentioned that they can do a first and second loan, and not all buyers understand that there's actually an option to do that. And the reserve requirement from going from twelve to eighteen months to three months is huge, especially in the Bay Area. You know, so, so that's a great uh, point that you, you know. Made. Um, you know, John. Uh, um, he's probably dealt with John and Lillian have dealt with a lot of visa holders. Um, John, if you want to unmute and just give a quick little description about what you've done lately with your visa holders. 
Yeah, um, the Calvin Sky is so strong and flexible, so we can accept the people who is eligible working in the United States. Like, for example, the OPT, this F1 visa, L1 visa, O1 visa, and um, even we have uh, um, another program, how lenders can do the B1 and H1B. Uh, so um, we will, you know, sometimes the people will have like gift fund from overseas, so we can do, we can accept that or uh, give fund and then uh, to help them to like ask the, uh, um, the down payment assistant. We still can do that we, and we can use that immediately. And by the way, another one is Calibre provide a translation service for free. So we will pay for that. If the people who has the documents and any give uh, evidence from overseas, we can happen to doing any translation works and then we can use that for underwriting. Yeah, normally my client will have to do the outside translation for about $100 per page. A Calibre, actually, we have a service, so client can save money. And um, by the way, we still can do, uh, I double check the guidelines. I uh, Most recently, I have a file who is asylum and DACA. So we still can do that for Fatima Mac program. That's really remarkable. And, you know, these guys are my leaders because when I go out there and do my business and they're out there doing their business, we all learn from each other. One one thing that we really instill here in our office is we are more of a concierge type office and everybody here works together to learn what we've done and good and bad. Every month we go through this conversation about what we did and what we can and can't do, but it's really there to kind of help each other. So I learned a lot from John and Lillian, Sharon and Carlo. Um, Ashley's our newest um, member to the team. She's gra grabbing a lot. She has nine years of private mortgage banking. Uh, I'm sorry, personal um, client banking, not mortgage, but did a lot of HELOCs and you know was involved on the mortgage side of things in her bank. Um, and really, when we all learn this way, we're just getting better. So John being out on the streets, working with the visa holders, trying and tempting all the different type of variations of work authorizations, him challenging, putting things to underwriting, spending the time. He's probably put the most effort and time um, in, in Lillian too as well, but you know, in terms of deep going in, I mean, there was a problem where OPT and F1 visas were impossible to lend and John found a way, Lillian found a way, and that's what we are able to do. And they wouldn't be able to do it if they weren't able to get a direct link to our underwriters. And that's the key. And if you can't do a loan, then what good is all the technology and the bells and the whistles and what good is lowering a low rate if you can't do the loan? Um, so these are my best when it comes to visa holders. They might even know more than me today, which I'm very proud of them for that because I might even ask them now where it used to be they would ask me and just even about the translation services, you know, little things I forget like that, that I take for granted here that realizing at other companies it would be a pain. I mean, that translation feature, we've been able to get translations done in 72 hours the same time it takes for us to get like something back from an hoa or an appraisal so really robust on that piece too thanks john for sharing that i actually appreciate that because for me like i always think when i think about my clients who are overseas borrowers for investors they i always come to lillian and john because i understand they know what they're doing and they understand that market and the fact that they speak multiple languages definitely helps a lot too and i didn't know about your translation services so i'm actually going to use that for my clients who are going to do loans with you guys uh, that definitely helps to get their 
documents in order so that your underwriters can process that. A lot of banks I hear sometimes they say, oh yeah, you know, they're tight on liquidity right now. So they're actually not lending to overseas borrowers, you know, EB5, foreign investors. So it's nice to hear that you have so many different options that, you know, our agents and uh, clients out there need to ask their agents to speak to you guys about that because that means you're telling me there is loan options out there for pretty much everything. You guys just need to find the right solution for what they're looking for. But 100%. Yeah, we haven't lost much. I mean, we lost a lot, but we had a lot to begin with. So when you took, you know, three months worth of COVID and we lost a good portion of our programs, what we have left is still more than the majority out there. I mean, you know, that just showed you how how robust we were to begin with. So um, as simple as somebody who wants to move out of a house and they can't sell before they buy, you know, we can exclude that liability off of their credit report um, for qualification purposes if that property is listed, for instance. You know, that's one of the, the key programs we used to have where it was a departing property, but it's changed a little bit. We used to use market rents. Now they're not taking market rents. They'll take a listing agreement. So those are the little things that have changed over the time in the last three months, but they can still do it. It's just a different way. Um, so to say it's exactly how it was, not really. And when some programs come back, it's not going to come back exactly how they once were. They're all modified and adjusted to the new current temperature that we're in today. And, you know, the news is changing so fast that I can tell you something today and it might change two weeks from now. And I won't go into too much detail, but just the news yesterday about Trump and China, you know, that's a whole different game changer right there. I mean, if you start getting an exodus of Hong Kongings coming here buying, there could be a surge in purchases eventually in the next year or two if they can find a way to get out and put their money here. It's more stable, it's more secure, and it's more predictable. And it's not under any kind of government rule or control. Um, and I don't know that I, this is all fresh news, but when I saw that live press conference yesterday, my mind started working on different levels. It was like, how is this going to change the underwriting guidelines? How is this going to change? our supply and our inventory and our demand right now in the next year or two. And what's this going to do for us, help us or hurt us? So I think it could end up causing a rise in um, demand in the next year or two, which is going to make all of this look like, you know, a distant memory. Another question you just mentioned at first too, especially for the Bay Area, you talked about departing residents where like, for example, I have a client who's looking to buy another home, but they, of course, they need to sell their home and they don't want to do or be tight in a 60 day rent back and, you know, try to find a new home and buy it and move in. Um, so you mentioned that you guys can do a, what you call a trade up or departing residents where you can actually, um, you know, buy another property, take off this current property from the liabilities and then go from there. Correct. Yeah, I mean, there's two problems when you do a move up buyer. Either they have not enough income to qualify for two mortgages or they don't have enough down payment because it's trapped into their house. So we need to figure out what their problem is. If their problem is both, they're probably not going to get a loan. I mean, they're just weak. They don't have the assets. They don't have the income. They're contingent upon selling. That's a true contingent buyer. Some buyers don't know that we have programs that can make them uncontingent or non-contingent, which would be, okay, we're going to lift this contingency. We're going to lift this liability off of your application. But it turns out that because we offer low down payments that you can actually come up with the down payment yourself. And then when you sell the home, come back to us and we'll either do a, a loan mod recast or a refi. But that's usually the classic way, you know, um, and they can borrow money or I'm uh, not borrow money, gift money 
from, um, you know, a borrower can get gift money from a family member if they're buying as an owner occupied or second home. So even if they're short the liquidity and they can get that money from elsewhere, and then at that time, you know, get into their home, sell their home, do what they want later. Um, those are ways around that. Um, so we got to figure out is the issue income or asset? And then I'll go in and give them the scenarios. And if the income, if the issue is more income, we do allow co-signers, you know, and we do allow non-occupying borrowers. So you could add somebody onto the application who's a family member and they're not going to live in the property with you, but they're going to help you qualify. And then again, sell your house, come back, refinance, take them off the loan. So the solutions we offer are not just to get a loan. We're not like, you know, trying to hit the slot machine here. If we can't give you a clear path, we're probably not going to give you the loan to begin with. Um, so we're giving you a path from beginning to end. So thank you for sharing that, Kenny. Um, so I just wanted to kind of follow up on that. So, um, you know, some buyers are worried about another housing crisis happening. Um, and um, some buyers, even though the rates are super low and there is an increase in uh, you know, mortgage applications, some buyers are still worried about, you know, uh, not getting the best rate right now and also not getting the best uh, purchase price. So they're not buying right now. Um, what's the trend that you're seeing in terms of, do you think it's a good time to buy? And also, um, you know, going forward, do you think, um, you know, like what, what kind of, what kind of market do you foresee in the future? I know that there's a lot of uncertainty, um, but, you know, based on what you're seeing now, uh, do you see an uptrend in terms of the applications that you're seeing and the number of people that are applying for mortgages and, um, you know, how does that relate to the future? Really good question. Um, it's 100% true. Um, the trend is up. Um, COVID is teaching people how they can't stay in their homes forever. And they're going probably stir crazy. Um, it's motivating them to get out of their homes. They're getting off the fence. A lot of these people are waiting for prices to drop. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, if prices drop, rates go up. So it's a catch 22. Either you're going to get the low rate, and maybe prices stay stable or you're going to wait till prices drop and rates go up. Um, it's all tied into each other. It, it, this algorithm has been put in play long before any of us were even probably alive. Um, you know, if you look at the way people are looking at things today, if the rate was three and a half last year and today it's two and a half, that 1% drop could be not only an interest in the 30 year time frame, that could be $100,000 off of a price for somebody. You know, 150,000. So while they're waiting for the price to drop 100 grand, rates can go back up very quickly. Their purchasing power diminishes, and now they offset that. They offset the price drop with that. Here's what I would tell anybody in the world: If you're buying based on your loan, you're probably making a flaw right there from the gate. Um, we don't see anyone stay in their loan for 30 years, not even 20, not even 15. And if they're lucky, they might stay in until 10. And even then, they're even redoing it between seven and 10 years. If you're buying a house predicated on just the rate and a program, then you're going to pay the highest price for that rate and that house because you've just done it that way. You just set yourself up to say, I'm willing to pay for that house and I'm willing to take this. The 30-year fix is the highest rate in the world. Everybody should know that. You're getting three decades of certainty. It's the highest rate in the world. We're the only country in the world that offers a 30-year fix. It wasn't made to go this long into our 
200 century or 200 year history of America. It was really there for the farmers back during FDR to prevent them from losing their land after they were losing their land. And then somebody in the government realized, probably FDR, realized that, wow, we can make a lot of money doing this from here on out. The social security system stuck around after that. The Fannie Mae and the Freddie Mac and 30 year fix stuck around after that. A lot of things stuck around after that great depression that in my opinion is archaic today. Most people don't even stay in their loans for 30 years. They just want to sleep better at night and they're getting wrong information completely. So I would advise anyone to come talk to me. I'm probably going to turn their world upside down with my conversation, but at least they'll be better educated at it. And they might get the house of their dreams and then they can deal with the loan later. The loan is not forever. The house could be. Uh, can I add to that real quick? Sometimes, you know, the word you snooze, you lose is so true because, you know, in May, I closed a lot of clients in the 1.6 range with 10% down. And with guidelines due to COVID changing every day, sometimes, you know, when clients, they don't, they don't, you know, if they don't look at the, the, the current events and the now, and they don't, you know, propose or jump on it, the next day, the guidelines might change and that loan might have been gone. So now perhaps they're going to do a more down payment um, while waiting for the rates to drop. One good thing about that too, you guys mentioned and how Kenny just mentioned talking about 30 year fixed loans. Um, sometimes I talk to my investors and agents about it. Like, you know, we know as lenders, we know that people always refinance over and over, even throughout the years when they think they're going to take a 30 year fixed and they actually refinance. Like one of my clients refinanced six times with a 30 year fixed. I'm like, I, you know, we, we knew that you're going to do it because rates keep dropping trends to happen, but I know you want the stability, but think about it this way too. Sometimes some people, some good and smart investors, they're taking like, you know, five, one arms, seven, one arms, mostly seven, one arms. And they're saying, Hey, if the rate is like two point, the low twos and the 30 year fixes in the high threes, why don't I just take a seven, one arm for now? And within seven years, I'm probably going to refinance it anyways. And even if the rate goes up to like a low three, the rate's still going to be better than 30 year fix. So even if you tell me 15, 20 years and I kept doing it, my rates, of course, having good equity, so you're stable, but the rates over blended time is actually way lower than the 30 year fixed. And they're saving a huge amount of money. Does that make sense? I mean, 100%. If you really want to look at um, a trend of 30 year fix and ARM programs, um, you look at the charts, the historical trends will tell you how much interest you paid over time on a 30 year fix versus a 30 year with an ARM. And it's, it's in the six figure range of how much interest you ended up paying more for that. Because yeah, people don't like when rates go up, but they can't forget that they're also lower than where they should be. So all those years you have low rates, you can take that extra money, put it into your mortgage balance, keep your mortgage balance lower. So when the rate adjusts, payment don't really change much because you've already put more into the principal than you should have. So the old way of loans prior to People jumping on this 30 year fixed bandwagon, which today, if you're getting a two and a half, I would I would definitely take a 30 year fix. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's you're not going to get better on an arm, you know, but that's I'm saying it's not normal. Like we are in an inverse curve. We're in where the long term rates are lower than the short term rates. That's not really supposed to be the case. So this is primarily due to COVID. I don't see this being sustainable. So if you can get an arm program, take it. You got plenty of years to refinance to a long-term fix if you see so. And really the true, you know, the true test of that is when someone moves into the property, they live in it within a year or two, they realize maybe they need something bigger. Maybe they're going to have another baby. Maybe they hate their neighbor. 
Maybe their job moved. It, all of these variables will change someone's decision of buying, selling, or renting, these lifestyle choices. So to be tied into a loan and make your life decisions based on a loan is probably one of the worst things you could do as a home buyer. Maybe you shouldn't even be a home buyer if that's the case, just to let you know. I mean, you know, you, if you're that way, then you're probably going to be the first one to sell if there's any change in the market or any change in anything. And, and, and some people shouldn't own homes. Maybe they should build up their you know, income and their liquidity first before they jump back into this market. But right now waiting, I don't see that helping anybody in this market. I think rates are low and take advantage while you can. And prices have been impacted by that. So you could actually get a good deal now, considering that the majority of the programs are gone. That means there's less buyers, which means you have a little less competition and low rates. You can't ask for a better recipe as a home buyer today. Yeah, I, I agree. To that, some of the buyer or borrower are so obsessed with getting a lower rate, sometimes actually hurting them. Like sometimes when they're focusing on getting a lower rate, they miss opportunity. I have clients that they keep shopping for lower rate, but when they got quote for lower rate, somehow the lender wasn't able to perform, right? Then they lose the purchase or um, they want to do a cash out. Let's say, so I have a client who wants to do a cash out to buy another house. Right. So he's shopping for a rate, he found one that's really low, so he go with that. But end of that, they couldn't do the loan for him. So he missed the chance to do the cash out at that time to buy the house. And then he come back to me to do the cash out, I get it done. You know, at the lender, take like three months, lower rate, but not able to close the loan. I took it over, within a month, I close the loan, give him the cash out, he got the money, but at that time, like maybe price only went up, or at that time, he actually lost the shop, couldn't buy another house, and got what he was about. So, like, stuff like that, like, you know, sometimes you choose to save, you want to save a little money, but you end up losing on the other side. So I think timing is very, very um, crucial as well, besides the interest rate. I'm not sure you guys agree with me. Hey, wait. Sorry, that was a mic drop, Lillian. That was <laughs> awesome. You know? That was awesome. It is. Um, you know, <laughs> in, 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 in her case, um, it's it's not just her case. It's all of us. I, I, I hear it on the phone. So let me tell you why rates are so important to people. It's because they don't know the loan process. Most buyers don't understand how by the time the file is done, it's about this thick. And the reality is all they know is rate. They don't want to get screwed by anybody. They're very wary. It's the biggest, largest transaction they're ever making in their life. And the only thing they know is rate. And they think as long as they can protect themselves by rate, then they cannot get screwed. That's 100% wrong. Um, they follow that in not knowing the right questions to ask because this is not an everyday thing for them. They do this once in a lifetime, maybe twice. So when they're being advertised low rate, low rate, and they think it's just as easy as buying a car and they realize it's not like that, They'll learn, they'll come back to us, and then eventually they'll 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 do it the right way. But we try to educate them up front and say, look, don't learn the hard way. Don't go out there and spend four months of your time in your life looking at property, not getting into contracts, missing the properties of your dreams, then coming back and then later realizing that the properties went up and now you're paying more money for it because you got the wrong information. Um, if you're banking on the values dropping in the Bay Area and everyone's sitting on the sidelines for that, um, look, I'm not a realtor and I don't want to tell you it is or not dropping, but here's what we have noticed. COVID has taught us some areas are going up in value and some areas are going down. And it's up to you and your market to determine if you're finding that. If you're finding a condo, 
condo prices have been hit by COVID drastically. And if you're looking for a condo, probably the best time to buy. If you're looking for a single family home, there's never no good time to buy. You need to buy as soon as you can. That's a train that's not going anywhere. The Bay Area does not build and develop single family homes. You will have to go to the outskirts of the East Bay, the South Bay, the North Bay, and push yourself further away, which could be fine in distant learning and distant employment environments, but it's your lifestyle and way of life. And you're not gonna see new home constructions here. So homes never slow down here. I mean, even if they slow down for one year, they go, they're right back up the next year. And that's not enough to feel it, you know? So I wouldn't recommend anybody sit around on a single family home. Um, and right now, if you wanted to sit around and wait for condos to keep dropping, yeah, that likely trend could continue. Um, just my opinion, I could be wrong. Um, as soon as you know, there's an old saying, and, and I'm not gonna take over the real estate you know, market with this saying, but there's an old saying, and I heard it in 2007. During that time, one in four homes was almost pre-foreclosure or foreclosure. And everybody was sitting on the fence. I was doing sunset house, open houses in the sunset at 620,000 and 540,000, 40 people walked in, no offers. Today, that house is worth one five. But they sat there and waited to get 20,000 less, 10,000 less. So here's the old saying, you know, and I don't know if I'm messing up the words, but it's basically as, lo as low as you think the market's going, and until you wait, like it hits to be rock bottom, it's back up before you know it. I mean, I don't know the exact words. Most realtors do know the word, but I read that in 07. And as I was reading that, two months later, things were going up on the rise again. So as you keep waiting for things to drop and you keep waiting, when it goes up, it does it quietly and overnight. And you won't yeah. Uh, Kenny and I think Lillian spoke on this too. Um, you can never find the bottom, right? Whether it's real estate or the stock markets or anything, um, just in the market in general, you can never find the bottom. So, you know, when we have the opportunity presented to us right now, where, you know, we have these, you know, ultra super low rates and also, you know, the purchase prices for, um, you know, Kenny, as you mentioned, there's specific properties that are lower in value, there's specific areas that are, you know, lower or higher in value. Um, you know, you just, you have to seize the opportunity when you have the chance. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that as well. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so basically, you know, right now we're running out of time, so we're about to wrap up. So, you know, I want to thank you guys. Uh, Susie wants to thank you guys for, you know, everything you guys mentioned today, all the information value you've definitely provided to all of our guests out here and to all of the agents. Um, for everyone out there, reach out to Caliber Home Loans team. Um, you can talk to Kenny, Ashley, Carlo, Lillian, Sharon, and John, and their information, contact information is down below. So take a look at that. Be sure to reach out to them with any questions you can think of. If you're an agent or a buyer or seller, reach out to them so you can learn more about what they're doing, how they can help you. And for more, you know, check out our podcast on The Truth About Real Estate. This podcast will be posted live shortly. And check out our events and more at MatthewMa.com. And then we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Um, this is really helpful. I think especially for buyers, who are you know maybe on the fence about buying i think this will definitely in terms of the real trends that are happening right now and we'll see you guys in the next one too coming up take care guys thank you guys i really like thank to you. thank um i'd like to thank you guys all for that you guys are great thanks thank for the so invite much. thank you bye, bye.